This series that I want to go into is called Conquering Mountains. Conquering Mountains. And I'm going to begin with the vision that God has given me for this church. I call it my vision, but it's really God's vision. Because if it's just my vision, it's not going to come to anything uh, worth anything anyway. Uh, But when God gives you a vision, God is calling you for a purpose to fulfill something. And you are the solution to a problem that somebody else has. Amen? So, uh, the vision for this church, and I also believe the vision for the entire church of Jesus Christ worldwide, is to become the most influential church in our county. And I believe God wants His church to be the most influential point in the world. But we want to do our part here in Maryville, Tennessee, don't we? That's what I like to hear. Now, to be influential, the definition of that is to be able to exert influence. Amen. Especially great influence. I want you to know what influence is. It is the capacity of Or power. Everybody say, or power. The capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force. Everybody say force. On or produce effects on the actions, behavior, and opinions of others. Is this not what the Great Commission is all about? Now, Matthew 28, 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away unto Galilee, unto a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got an appointment with a mountain. Amen. Now, this was possibly Mount Tabor or uh, some mountain near Capernaum. Where Jesus had taught. It is the place where he fed the multitudes. And it is the mountain where he was seen after his resurrection by over 500 people at one time. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 6. So I want you to understand where where this mountain is. And verse 17 says, And when they saw him on the mountain, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There's a problem when part of the church is worshipping Jesus, but some are in doubt. We need to be united, and we need to understand what God is doing. That's why it's important to be here and learn together and grow together. Otherwise, some will be worshiping and progressing and some will be dragging their feet and laying behind and in doubt. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, This is important, All power 
is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Hmm. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, I like to think of that word, therefore. Every time I see the word, therefore, it makes me wonder what it's there for. So it's talking about something else. What is it there for? To remind you, amen, the reason you're going to teach them and do all this is because all power is given to Jesus. He's given you an impossible job to do. But before you question it and say, I'm not able to do it, remember what he just said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. We got the power. God's got the power. And we got the God. He said, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And when you need Jesus, He's there. He's not a jenny that you can rub on. And every time you need to make a wish. He's there. We are here to serve Him. He's not here to serve us. Amen. But you have to look at this. He brings out, why did Jesus say to teach all nations? To teach all nations. Gary DeMar, in his book, titled, Whoever Controls the Schools Rules the World. Let me say that again. Whoever controls the schools rules the world. Now he points out in this book, and I'm going to quote him if you don't mind, every change in worldview was brought about through the educational establishment. Our founding fathers understood this. That's why they established their own schools. They didn't go by the Church of England. They established their own schools. They didn't go by the Pope in Rome. They established their own schools. Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. Three of the most prestigious schools in our country. They are the most influential schools. They graduate presidents. They graduate great businessmen and lawyers. The problem is, they were originally designed to be schools to teach ministers how to preach the Word of God. Today, they are sources of demons. They are used to preach and teach all sort of unholy, ungodly things that's coming out of these schools. They are teaching our children everything contrary to the Word of God. They have moved the Word of God out of our schools, out of our institutions, and they are doing nothing but indoctrinating our children. 
He says, this is why the liberal professors and our enormous federal government, which is benevolent in its own way, has taken control of our schools. He said more than 95% of America's youth attend a government school. He says they like to call it public school, but it really isn't run by the public. It's run by the federal government. It is a government school. The curriculum is designed by the government. The textbooks are approved by the government. The funding comes from money that the government stole from the public in order to further advance their propaganda. In other words, you're paying for it with your tax money. And the Federal Department of Education oversees the whole process. A nation is nothing more than a sphere of influence and control. Now I want you to think about that for a minute because if you look at a nation, a nation is nothing more than a makeup of people that normally will speak the same language, they have the same culture, they're geographically connected in some way, or they're politically connected or economically connected. Basically, it is a unity of people that pretty much are like the same. And the greater the nation, the more it wants to exert its influence on the rest of the world. That's why we have superpowers. I need you to understand that. How many of you know what Abraham means? The word Abraham? Huh? Father of many nations. What he's saying, he is the father of influence. It was Abraham's calling to follow God and from there influence the entire world. So don't tell me that when God says... He's given us a vision to be the most influential church in this county. Don't tell me that we can't do it. And don't tell me that is puffed up in pride because we are doing what God has called us to do. Why did Jesus appoint a mountain for the place in which he would give this commandment? In the military strategy... Whoever controls the high places controls all the area around that place. It is a position of influence. A mountain is a place where you can set up a power source and begin to rule and reign. Because nobody can take you down. You become a giant in the land. If our vision is to be the most influential church in the county, then God is expecting us to take the lead and conquer these high places, these mountains of influence and control in our area. we got mountains all around us here. First of all, let me ask you though. Amen. 
Choose the enemy. Who is the enemy? Who is that? Oh, you got it, brother. Who do we have to conquer? It ain't the liberals. It ain't the politicians in Washington. It ain't the homosexuals. It ain't the, all the things that's around us. We need to conquer the true enemy, which is not flesh and blood. Let's read it. Let's read it together. Ephesians 6.12. Read it with me. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against the homosexuals. We're not fighting against drunkards. We're not fighting against uh, Democrats or, or whatever they happen to be, aristocrats and uh, dirty professors, whatever. Not flesh and blood. That's not our enemy. The devil wants you to believe that's your enemy and he wants you to hate those people. Jesus didn't hate them. He hated what they did. He hates the influence that they have over the world. But he loved them. Jesus loves the sinner. But he hates the sin. Not flesh and blood. Join me again. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Mountains. Now we've got, I remember a song a long time ago, back in the 80s, might have been the 90s. Says, I got friends in low places. <laughs> we need to have some friends in high places. Amen. If we're going to be influential, God told me that on the way to work. He said, if you're going to be influential, you better get to knowing some influential people. Amen. Otherwise, you're just going to have friends in low places. Now, is not our friends in heaven? We got friends in high places, do we not? Now, let's look at that high places. If I was to take uh, the uh, mountains, spheres of influence, or spiritual wickedness in high places... They all the same thing. Amen. We call them different names. They're principality. Do you know what a dominion is? It is a spiritual being that has a dominion over a certain area. Angels, principalities, demons. Amen. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, I want you to read something. This is what I come for. I want you to write this down if you've got something to write it down because we're going to go through some nations. What did I say we were supposed to do? Teach all nations. Amen. That's spiritual wickedness yeah. in high places. Whoever controls those nations, whoever, control, whoever the giants are in those lands controls those lands right. Right. and influences the people. 
and dictates the culture and opinions. They're influential. Amen? That making sense to you back there, Chris? Making sense to you? Good. All right. Let me read this. When the Lord thy God shall bring these into the land, whether thou goest to possess it. What God is talking about, this is Moses talking about how God's going to bring them into the promised land. And what's he bringing them in for the purpose of? To possess it. And hath cast out many nations, many influences, many demons before thee. And now he mentions them. The Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. Now read with me this. Seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And what has God told them to do? Possess the land. Conquer these places. Maintain control and influence over them. That is our commission that Jesus gave the church. That is the great commission. That is the vision of the church. And that is what our job and mission is. If we're not doing it, then we're not his church. Amen. What did he say about his church? The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. He's not talking about defensive weapons. In Ephesians where I'm talking about what we're wrestling against. He said that's the reason we've got to have the whole armor of God. Not just defensive weapons. But we have offensive weapons for the purpose of casting down these nations. These spheres of control. These influences in our land. They're going to be greater and stronger than you. Now spiritually speaking. I believe these nations have been linked to seven types of spirit dominations or dominions. Which have been known to control or influence people. And interestingly enough, a study of their names may reveal their present day identity. This is what I want you to take note of. Because this is the introduction of our series. Let's take the first one. The Hittites. The name, if you study the name of the Hittites. It, uh, these are descendants of Cheth. Which means terror. To break down or wear down by violence. To discourage or cause to be in dismay or fear. What is that in today's present day 
sphere of control? It's none other than the U.S. government. Who controls this land? Who makes the laws? The government. That's why to our founding fathers, it was so important to put some checks and balances to limit the power of the federal government. They feared the federal government more than they feared the king of England. Because it was one and the same. They broke away from England for the purpose of independence. You can't have independence if you reinstall a king over you. Now, how do I connect that with the government? Romans 13 verse 3 tells us, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. They are a terror, but they're supposed to be a terror to those who do not obey the law. And when you've got a good government that establishes good laws that are ordained of God, then you're going to have a good government and a free government. Wherever the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. And that's what our founding fathers wanted most of all. They wanted to serve God, but they knew they couldn't do that under tyranny. They had to do it under liberty. God give us the free will to worship whosoever we will. But glory to God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Goes on to say, Wilt thou not then be afraid of the power? The power. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Let me tell you something. Every government that exists in this world has been set up by God. One of the things that Cyrus, king of Persia, understood and I believe Daniel taught this to him. Daniel was the man that had influence upon King Cyrus that made him let the people go and from Persia back to the promised land. And when he did that, he said he perceived, he first of all gave God the credit for giving him the power over this control, this Persian empire. He recognized God as the giver of all power. Now, if we read on, for he is, a, uh, let's see, he's a revenger to execute upon them that doeth evil. Even wicked kings have been used to execute judgment upon even God's people. That's what happened to Israel. When they rebelled, turned their back, and backslid, he used that government of Babylon to punish them. For 70 years they stayed in there until King Cyrus, till God laid it on his heart to let them go. According to the word of God. Now, 
In Matthew eleven twelve, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Violence means to take something by force. Or by power. If you're going to dominate, you have to have power. Our power is in Jesus Christ. And in the Word of God. And in the Holy Ghost. One of the biggest lies that Satan has ever told the church is that we should not be political. We focus almost entirely upon influencing sinners to live for God or other religious people to believe it the way we believe it. We totally ignore the other six dominions especially government. We need to be involved in politics. If you're going to dominate and conquer this, the church needs to be active. The moral majority used to control the elections in this country, but now wickedness is controlling it. That's because the church has backed off. We believe the lie that we shouldn't get mixed up in politics. We would rather have our tax-exempt status than to do what God wants us to do. What should we fear, God or man? Now let's look at the next group, because I'm about to run out of time. I might have to figure this up. That was the first dominion. Government or the Hittites. The Gergesites is the next group. And this took a little difficult when I was researching this. Um, most people didn't put, all they did is this one of the native tribes of Canaan. But as I had to study further and further, I come upon Jones' Dictionary of the Old Testament. And it was the only source that I find that even tried to interpret what the name Gergesites means. And what they come up with in Arabic, in Arabic, or the, I'm sorry, the Chaldean language, it means clay or clod. Clay or clod. And in the Arabic language, it means black mud. So we can associate Gergesites with clay, clod, or mud. Or those that focus on the earth, earthly people, lustful, sensual, uh, appealing to the eyes. These are demons that controls and influences our nation. They even influence the church. The next thing I find is that some people have associated this place with uh, Gergesines, which was in Matthew 8, verse 28, which is where Jesus found the demonic possessed with the legion of devils. And remember, when he cast those devils out of him, they went into a herd of swine and run violently down into the river or to the deep. 
So they're associated with demons and pigs. Okay? Because of that. But I'm going to take it just a little bit further. Because this is the very land where Gad, one of the tribes of Israel, before they went across the Jordan, he said... This is what I want right here. He wanted his possession to be in this part on the other side of the Jordan before they went to conquer. So Moses said, or Joshua said, well, as long as you will help us fight, you can come back and this is yours. And the reason he wanted it, it was a great place for cattle. It was a great place to have cattle. And if we trace back all of these people, we find that they come from Ham and Canaan. Alright? And if you look at some of the, the sons of Canaan, Lamech, the third generation from Cain, took two wives. One's name was Ada, which means beauty. And another was Zillah, or Zillah, which means Tinkling, like a bell. And Ada bear Jabel. That first wife, name means beauty, bear Jabel, which was the father of such as dwell in tents and such as have cattle. And Jubal, her second son, is the father of all that handle harps and organs, musicians. Hmm. And then Lamech's second wife was Zillah, and she bare Tubal Cain, who was an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And his sister, Tubal Cain's sister, was Nabah, which means pleasant and lovely. Now, what I'm trying to say here is when you look at all that, Art. Also, if the Hebrew looked at this name, Gergesim, what they look at, they'll focus upon the verb in here. See, that's a noun, but they see a verb in here. And that verb means to take with your hands and feel with your hands. And to brush, like with a stroke of a brush, or a stroke on a harp, or molding something in clay, when it comes right down to it, we can associate the Gergesites with art and entertainment. Amen. And I don't know of any place on, that fits more with sensual, devilish, uh, lustful things than Hollywood. There's more filth and mud and dirt coming out of Hollywood than there is water coming out of the Hoover Dam. Didn't used to be that way. Mm. This is a mountain we need to conquer. Stop buying the slop that is coming out of Hollywood. I know I like to watch movies as much as you do. But I'm telling you, amen, if the devil had a collection plate, would we be putting money into it? 
and at the same time, when God's collection plate comes out, we turn our head and ignore it. We will spend thousands and thousands of dollars to buy music and tapes and videos and all kinds of stuff that comes right out of the mouth of devils. Do you know a pig, they say, is always rooting around on the ground. When the pigs begin to take the place of the cattle in the land of the Gergesenes, they ate up all the grass and the place became nothing, fit for nothing but but swine and devils and tombs. Nothing left. It was a wilderness by the time Jesus was on the scene. Thank God he went and delivered one man right out of that. Thank God. Let's pray that he'll deliver us out of it. There was a thousand demons in that man. And I think that is one of the strongest influences in our country. Hollywood. We need to support Christian movies. We need to support Christian songs. Now I ain't got nothing against American Idol. I don't like to be have anything as an idol. But amen, I ain't voting for nothing that ain't got the word God in it. That's why I like that one song, Jesus Take the Will. What was her name? Carrie Underwood. I'll vote for her. Now, I know some people try to tell musicians that they don't need to go to Hollywood to stay in the church, stay in the little country church and play your music. Play Christian music. Well, I'm telling you, if God wants you in Hollywood, He wants you there for a reason so that you can influence people around you. But he don't want you to go there and become like the rest of them, not to conform to the things of the world, but to be renewed in your mind and be an influence and a positive influence for Jesus Christ. That's why I like the, what's that football player's name? T-Bone or what? T-Bone. Amen. They, they didn't want him. They tried to get rid of him because he always prayed. Amen, God needs more people like Carrie Underwood and Tebow to get into Hollywood and shake that place up and tell them about Jesus. The Amorites. Well, it is derived from the word Almar, which means to say or proclaim or boast. That is in the sense of publicity. That is prominence. Thus it actually is interpreted as the mountaineer. A mountaineer. A man that lives on the mountains. Why do we associate media with a mountain? Because we're supposed to shout it. Tongue the mountains. Amen. We're supposed to do it in the valleys. We're supposed to publish. We're supposed to be a witness to Jesus of all His great works and wonders. Wherever we go, we are the media of Jesus Christ. We need to present a good, wholesome English image. Publish that image of Christ, His church, and the saints of God. I'm sorry, but it don't help if you go to church on Sunday and then you're out living in the world the rest of the time acting ungodly and all the world said is look at those Christians, what hypocrites they are. They're laughing at you. 
If you're doing that, we need to present a good witness. We are the media. You can't trust the media anymore. I used to think I, Fox had the balance side, but no, they're all going over the extremes. We need to check out what's being told us. Don't just believe it. Know what's going on around you because the devil's got a big mouth and he uses it in gossip and many other ways. Let the Lord have... You are the Lord's mouthpiece. You are a voice crying in the wilderness. Let's move real quickly. Canaanites. Well, that is self-explanatory because the name Canaan means a peddler or merchant. Thus, it is the business world. Now, the Bible tells us, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's another lie the devil likes to tell you is that money is evil. It doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is evil. The lust for money is evil. And what he's saying is some coveted after. Coveting is one of the commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Coveting means that you want your neighbor's money. You want what I got. That is coveting. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't like to have a car I got and you're going to work hard for it and get it. That ain't what it means. It means you want to take my car from me. You want to take my money from me. You want what I have. I call that robbery. It's exactly what it is. And any government that will use its power to take away from one group of people and give to another is robbery. Oh, but what about greed? See, I believe a welfare system, while it is good to help a person out, God never commanded us to demand and take money from one to give to another. He told us to give out of our heart. It is charity that is something given love and compassion. So don't think that a welfare program that the state is running is sponsored by God. No, that's robbery. But God does expect us to help one another. And the only way you can help one another is to be blessed above and beyond what you need. Bishop Subramani said he wants to bless me. He asked God to bless me. How many of you know that God come that we might have abundance. Abundance is more than you need. The reason God wants to give you more than you need is so you can be a blessing to somebody else. But He wants you to give from the heart liberally. Not steal from somebody else. Income redistribution is not charity. Greed is misunderstood as lust. Coveting is when you want to steal from one man and give to another. The government is coveting your money. They just had an election. 
They wanted to get a hundred. How much was it, Deb? $135 from every single one of you for every car you got this year. $35 extra. Some of you can't afford to put one car on the road already. And they're wanting to charge $35 for everybody. They say that money's going to schools. Well, we already know that schools is nothing but indoctrination center. And the more money you sink into it, the less they get. They're, not, they're pumping out ignorant people there. They're putting out people can't read. Greed is really defined as when you want more than you need. Now think about that. What would we do if the farmer only grew what he needed? There'd be a lot of folks starving. What makes a free society work and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, is when people are free to pursue and be successful and prosper and bring abundance in. That is blessings from God. God ordained that to work that way. Now, He didn't ordain it for you to sink it up and store it up in a barn for yourself. Because you don't know that tomorrow your soul may be required of you. He blesses you so you can be a blessing to others. i got to move on because I'm running out of time. We'll get more into that. But it's another lie. I've seen welfare systems. And and I'm not speaking. I I know some people have. I've had to live off welfare before. I grew up on welfare. But I've seen what it does. It doesn't set people free. My mother and father got a divorce. Not because they didn't like each other, but they found that they could make more money if they were divorced living together than if they were married. That'd take away your check if you married. If somebody's got any money or got a job. I've seen people in this church get married. They're getting a check. They get married and the wife goes off to work and the government takes their check away from them. Or their medical expenses. That's no different than a drug dealer down here giving away free drugs to get you hooked on his drugs. That's bondage. Liberty. God wants people to be out business. He wants people to prosper. Amen. In the early church, they were rich people that was coming in. They sold their land. They gave as everyone had need. That was the welfare program of God. And everybody's needs were met. You can influence a lot of people when you control their checks. Because you know how people are voting? By their check. That's, right. That's, right, That's why they're giving you this stuff. Yep. It's like a drug dealer giving you the drugs and then he yep. says, right. now you'll be back to buy from me. That's you're right. you're my partner for life. That's right. So what we've got is a nation that is voting for who's going to give me something. Yep. They're not voting for what's right. They're voting for what's right for them. Amen, Selfish. Greedy. That's greed. Amen, now let me move on. We need to be more active in business. 
And we need to be influential in business. Amen? Amen. So God bless the businessman. I'm not talking about somebody's ripping you off now. <laughs> Let me get real quick here. Here's something we can all relate to. The parasites. First I thought that was parasites. <laughs> now I got to read this. It means rustic. Rural or pastoral village. Not necessarily the village, but the villager. It's talking about the person. A pastor. <laughs> I'm your pastor. Am I a parasite? This, my dear friends, is the mountain of religion. This is the area that most churches focus entirely upon. On bringing people into the church and spreading their doctrine to everybody else. And that's why we're all fighting amongst ourselves. We're turning on one another instead of turning to one another. And that's exactly the way the devil likes it. You know, if people are calling on the name of Jesus, I don't care what name they put on their door out there, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, what. Jesus said if they're not, if they're for you, they can't be against you. Everybody doesn't have the same truth. And it is important. I consider it all the body of Christ. Now, I know some people in my own fellowship might disagree with me. But the thing is, when a person's doctrine becomes a problem for the rest of the body, Jesus said what we're supposed to do with it. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Sometimes it is necessary to separate from some people that are preaching doctrines of devils. So everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is not going to see the kingdom of God. But as far as I'm concerned, anybody that will unite with me and join hands with me to help influence this world and change the world that we live in, I'm going to call them a member of the church. My right hand and my left hand. Wait a minute, I got that mixed up. This is my left hand and that's my right hand. Do you know they're directly opposed to one another? Do you know what makes them work? They're directly opposed to one another. They call it opposing thumbs. The thing that we have, man has different than no other animal has, is we have opposing thumbs, which makes it where we can join together and accomplish things. I have no problem with joining together with other churches, other denominations to accomplish things. You agree with that, Bishop Subramani? Amen. Keeping the spirit of unity until we come into the, the, the you know, unity of the, of the faith. All right, let me move on. Because I'm almost ending here. But I'm moving on. The Hevites. Meaning the same as Eve. That word means the same as what Eve means. And Eve means a life giver. The mother of living. I'm sorry, I told you that the other one was a villager. 
but it was talking about the village, the pastoral setting, the city without walls. But this one here is the villager itself. It is the citizen of this life-giving place. And if I told you what the pastoral was, the, the pastoral is the, the church. That's the pastor, the green pastor. And the person that is a citizen of that is a member of that church. What this is talking about is a family member. The Hebites represents the family. The family is the basic structure of our society. It really takes a village to raise a kid, according to Hillary Clinton. But what she meant by that is that parents ought to give their kids up and let the government raise their children. Let the village, the community, the government raise your children. And that's exactly what they're doing with public schools. But what it really means, the family ought to be raising children. The one strong source of power within the church is the family. And while we preach salvation and doctrine, we are forgetting that families within the church are breaking up, they're divorcing, they're going their separate ways, they're fighting amongst themselves. The whole structure of the family is breaking down before our eyes. It's because Satan has control of the family. If you read, and I pray that you do, the Homosexual Manifesto, if you look that up, if you look up the Communist Manifesto, and you look up the Women's Live Manifesto, you find that all of these organizations has one thing in common. They're all against the family. I have nothing against homosexuals. I told you. We're not wrestling against them. We're wrestling against the demons that control them. But I do have something with the homosexual agenda. With the Women's Lib agenda. With the communist agenda. Every one of them wants to bring you into bondage. They want to destroy your concept of what a family is. My God, church, the world don't even know what a family is anymore. It used to be mama and daddy and grandma and grandpa and children. Now Lord knows what people call their family. Well, let's just have homosexual marriages. Well, maybe we could just be married to dogs and sheep next. Two women, two men. The whole point, they're pushing the father out of the home. Women are taking over. Oh, my goodness, I just said something wrong. I told you about how people are divorcing. To get the check. If daddy's in the home, the family goes without. So daddy goes off and gets in trouble selling drugs and goes to prison. They're not praying together, so they're not staying together.
the family is under attack. Amen. See, what they want to do is get us to think that really a family can be, oh, I can have two moms. We've got people, divorces happening, and everybody's wanting to be a kid's mom. We lose sight of what our family is. Children don't know who their parents are. They're being taught most of the time by the school teachers who may be molesting them. My youngest son was molested by a school teacher. That's why he became a homosexual. They are influencing people. And men need to stand up. They need to be what they're supposed to be. God has called the man, the father, to be the head of the household. That's why he set it up that way. We can't have two leaders. We can't have three leaders. We've got to have one unit. As your pastor, I represent this church. We all may prophesy and admonish one another. We're all members of the body. But God has chose me to be the speaker, the spokesperson for this family of God. And there's churches today that don't even have a pastor. We're like sheep without a shepherd. We need to fight for control of the family. Amen. Amen. I believe to be used of God, the kingdom of God is based upon a wholesome, healthy concept of what the family is. Men, to be ahead of the household don't mean you beat your wife. It don't mean that you abuse your authority. It means that you love your children and you love your wife and you will give your life for the family as Jesus gave his life for the church don't mean that you make sacrifices for you. It means you make sacrifices for the family. Amen. Women, let your husband be a husband. Amen. Children, let your daddy be a father. Right. Don't make their job harder. And saints, let your pastor be a pastor. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Don't Question. Don't quench. Don't usurp the authority of the system that God set up. Because when you resist the power, you resist God. You've got to give benevolence and honor to whom honor is due. I don't agree with President Obama's policy, but I give honor to the office of the presidency. I just wish he would. Now, let me bring up to the last one here. The Jebusites. We've come full circle. I started with education. Teach all nations. All nations. We need to influence all nations. The original name of Jerusalem was called Jabus. It means to be trodden. It's a threshing floor. It's where David decided to build the temple. The threshing floor. That's where he decided to put it. Amen. Amen, 
It means a threshing. But it's a, it, to thresh means you take out the impurities from the fruit. It is a learning center. The house of God is a place where we learn and we become disciples of Jesus Christ so that we might influence the world. The purpose of the ministry, amen, is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of God. That is to supply you with what you need in order to influence the world around you. We need to make an impact. Now... As I say, we've come to full circle. God gives us a vision that seems impossible. Feed the 5,000. Conquer these seven nations that are more powerful than you. But He reminds us that the power is within Him. Amen. He reminds us that I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 